not on. There we go. I loved that. That was fab. I want to watch it again, but I'll do that in my own time. Uh, Caitlin, it's your time. Um, should I pray for you or just want to go? Just want to go. Me and Caitlin prayed earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> Great. Good evening, everybody. It's very nice to be here uh, with you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my name's Caitlin. Uh, I am a, a big fan of this church. Uh, me and, and Joel uh, over here, we actually go to St. Peter's, which is in Bethlehem Green. Uh, but I do lots of work with this uh, church, uh, so we uh, love it very much, and, and lots of the people here. I work as what's called a community organiser uh, with a charity called Citizens UK, and my job is to work across Hackney, um, enabling people to build relationships to identify common things that they care about, that they're affected by, um, and to bring about change for the good um, in, the, in the neighborhood. Um, so that's what I do. Um, but Graham gave me the privilege this evening of, of preaching on whatever I felt stirred to preach on, um, which is a, a, a great thing. Um, and I, I realized that actually when I was praying about it, the thing that was on my mind and feels like is on the mind of a lot of close friends of mine, um, is uncertainty about the future. Something about the unknown of, of what is to come and of the, the intangible nature of the future, which often, I think, can breed a lot of fear, uh, a lot of insecurity um, and, and anxiety. Uh, so I thought I'd spend a little bit of time praying and reflecting on what does God have to say about uncertainty and, and of the future. Um, and I hope that this will be an encouragement to us. It's been an encouragement to me as I've reflected um, and, and thought about this. So what do I mean by uncertainty? Well, um, I'm sure that will mean a whole range of things uh, to each of us. For me, that can sometimes be about whether I'm doing the right thing uh, or if I'm going to be going on to do the right thing. Sometimes it can be an insecurity about uh, whether we'll be able to earn enough money at some point in the future or be able to... Um, uh, look after people who are close to us who maybe aren't well. There's a kind of uncertainty and, and an intangibility in a lot of that. And I don't know about you, but I think sometimes when people say, you just got to have more faith, it can be quite hard to just do that. <laughs> and I get it. I get that that's what we got to do. But what does that really mean? Uh, and that was the question I sort of left myself ask, um, uh, sort of asking. So I thought about, in the Bible, who are the characters that face a degree of uncertainty and a, and a degree of the unknown? Uh, and there are lots. There's uh, Daniel, uh, he's in the lion's den. I mean, that's pretty unknown as to what's about to happen, although you could argue that he had a sense of what might happen. Uh, Hannah, there's Job. There's all sorts of different characters that live with the unknown. But the one that sort of pricked my curiosity most was Mary. And you might be thinking, why are we talking about Mary in the middle of June? But I think you'll agree it is looking a little bit like Christmas, or it has been looking a bit like Christmas, so I hope that's all right. We've got some nodding over here, so you clearly think it's fine to talk about Mary uh, in, what month is it? March. Did I say June? Anyway, it's March. There's <laughs> reasons for that. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's March. Um, so we've just seen, seen um, that, that story, if you hadn't realized, was, was a sort of acting out a narrative of Mary uh, in what's called the Magnificat, which is a song, a kind of triumphant song that we get in, uh, in this book. 
Um, and before we look at this triumphant song, I want us to think a little bit about Mary's situation. So what do we know about Mary? We know that Mary was um, a uh, young person. She was of a humble background. She didn't really have much status or kind of significance to be honest. She wasn't from a family that, that meant that you know, her future was going to be sort of um, particularly, obviously significant. Um, she was a simple person in, in lots of ways. And yet she's told that you are going to give birth to the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I really think about that prospect, I think there's a lot to be afraid of. <laughs> There's a lot to think of as unknown. You know, how, what, what was, what was going to happen? What would it be like to uh, raise this child? What, what would he be like? How would people respond to the fact that uh, this was the Son of God with her? Uh, how, would, what would, how would he engage with other people in the world? What would her family say? What would her fiancé's family say? She was engaged. She wasn't yet married just like me, <laughs> and I sometimes think, gosh, what would it be like right now to be told you're pregnant and you're going to give birth to the Son of God? There are m lots of reasons for Mary to feel something of the, the fear of the unknown. And yet, what we get, what we hear from her, is this extraordinarily triumphant song and hymn of praise. It's a declaratory song in which she is praising the name of God and all that he has done for her. And I'm sort of left asking the question, why is she able to do that? Why is her response in that moment one of rejoicing, one of thanksgiving, and one of praise? If we just um, have, a, have a read of it, I thought the, the best way for us to begin to have a sense of why she was able to do that is to begin to have a look at the, the words, exact, the exact words that she says, because I think they give us a bit of a clue um, to why she's able to do that. So this is, from, this is in Luke 1. And it goes from verse 46. I think it says Mary's song or something like that. <laughs> so I'll just read the beginning. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So these first few um, verses, 46 to 50, are basically a personal declaration of praise. It starts with I, basically. She's, she's saying, God is mindful of me. God is mindful of me. She's amazed at this prospect that God is mindful of her because she seeks him and he responds to her. That's what it means when it's talking about um, her, God showing her mercy. She's saying, God sees me. So that's the first 
sort of the first half. And then, and then what you actually get is a switch in the second half to a more kind of corporate declaration about the nature of God. So she starts with herself, the kind of personal, and then it becomes more corporate. And she says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. What she's doing in, in this kind of second half is she is naming the nature of God and the fact that God would deal with and chooses to deal with the least and the lost and the lowly. That God's priority is to say yes to those people and that those are the people that he loves and chooses to use. So the first half is her recognition that God sees me. I think that came out quite clearly in that video, that kind of sense of awe and amazement that God would choose to see me. And then this, this um, kind of a overwhelming uh, delight in the fact that God would choose to use the least and the lost and the lowly, that he would choose his priority to be feeding the hungry, to be looking after the lost. And then the final thing that we get a little bit um, just towards the end is what she does is she recognizes that God fulfills his promises. She, she's naming that it was said to Abraham that the Messiah would come. That actually, in her being told that you will give birth to the Son of God, she is naming that God keeps his promises. He keeps the promises that were made all those years ago to Abraham. And the Messiah will come and is coming now. So those are the three things that I um, want us to, to think about. Number one, Mary recognizes that God sees her. Number two, uh, she recognizes that God would use someone like her, someone without status. And thirdly, she's recognizing that God fulfills his promises. God is the God who is trustworthy and fulfills his promises. And it's from that place that her praise comes, her thanksgiving comes. It doesn't come out of duty. It doesn't come out of, I must be thankful even though I'm quite afraid, which I often do. I must just sort of by willpower choose to be thankful even though I'm actually quite scared about what's happening. Actually, instead, she shifts her perspective and her focus to who am I right now? God sees me. He chooses to use me. And he places Christ in her to bring about uh, the kingdom on earth. So I was pretty, um, as you can hear, uh, taken with this. <laughs> and it made me think back, okay, so what does it actually mean for, for us when we feel uncertain, when we feel this kind of um, potential amb ambiguity about the future? Um, and I started to think, well, why is it that we're often afraid of, of the future? Why is it that sometimes we feel uncertain? Sometimes I think it's because we listen predominantly to the voices of other people about really what we should be like uh, or where we should be in life um, or where we should be going or about how insecure the world is and how difficult it is. And this is not to say that it's not a hard place in lots of ways. But it's actually to shift our perspective to thinking what does God to say to us in the present because that is what is tangible right now. 
What does it mean for you to believe in the now that God sees you just like God saw Mary? Just as he was mindful of Mary, he is mindful of you and where you are right now. And just as God chose to use Mary, he chooses to use us. You may be a person of status. (laughs) You may not be. But God chooses to use each and every one of us. He chooses to use people in our neighborhoods and in our communities who are not the people who have positions necessarily, although that that can be a good thing in some ways. (laughs) But actually, he chooses to use the least and the lost, and he prioritizes the feeding of the hungry and the care for the poor. And finally, in the same way that God fulfilled his promise, when we look back to Abraham, that the Messiah would come and be placed inside of Mary, we are also part of the fulfillment of this new promise when Christ said, I will pour my spirit on you and fill you with the Holy Spirit and your young men and women will see visions and dream dreams and that actually God will use us as his hands and feet to bring about the kingdom on earth. So in the same way that Mary was able to name that she was part of the fulfillment of this prophecy, we can also name that we are part of the fulfillment of the future. We are part of the fulfillment of the prophecy of, the, of where we are now and, and the kingdom that God is bringing about and that God can choose to use us. And in the same way that Mary said yes to God, said yes to having Christ in her, we can also say yes to having the Holy Spirit in us and to having God use us to bring about his kingdom on earth. And the last thing I really want to to recognize, as I was saying earlier, is that this is the reason that she was led to joyful praise. And there's one way of looking at this, which is that we must just be more thankful. And and we should be. It's good to be thankful. (laughs) But I think that this points to something much deeper, which is that Mary wasn't looking at what she couldn't really fully see in the future but she held on to what she knew was true for her right now. And she allowed that to stir up worship and praise. And it was from that place that she could be held by God and allow God to take her forward on this extraordinary journey that she was about to go out in. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. He who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. This worship and this praise is connected to seeing God in the present, to seeing God in the here and the now. The story that this uh, reminded me of, uh, this is something I struggle with all the time. I spend my life kind of quite restless thinking about where I should be or am I in the right place or am I doing the right thing or is that going to be all right? And I thought about one story that came to mind was... um, I, I, a few years ago, did a master's in international development. And um, the year after, a lot of friends of mine were off all around the world doing things which seemed very exciting and significant and important. Um, and I ended up meeting someone who's a, a priest called Angus Ritchie. And he said, do you want to come and live in this slightly weird retreat center in Limehouse? Um, and it was free rent <laughs> in London, which is very appealing. Um, but he said, you come here and work with a Congolese church for a year. 
And uh, he also challenged me, actually, to say, uh, you know, it's good that you want to go and do these things, but have you thought about your own neighborhood? And um, I was challenged by that, and I was provoked, and I also felt a little bit of, maybe this is God. You know, maybe there is, God is kind of leading me. Uh, so I moved into this place, which um, <laughs> was like a, I mean, it was a really kind of odd place in lots of ways. Um, we had an office that was sort of um, a, a bedroom, really. So there were sort of six of us rammed into this tiny little place uh, with this funny sink. And um, my bedroom was right next to it, so you could hear absolutely everything when people were having meetings, and you like, realize you can't be lying in anymore. And um, for a long time, and we were doing work that was really about what does it mean to do social justice with the church in East London. And uh, a lot of the time when I was there, actually kind of the first six to 12 months, I was quite restless. I spent a lot of my time kind of looking at what all these other people were doing and thinking, I really should be doing that, you know, I should be out there, I need to think about finding another job, this is kind of weird, why am I here in this like funny place? And I bring my friends and they're like, why do you live here? And I'm thinking, I don't know really, uh, <laughs> but I'm here. And um, I was praying one morning and I, I had a real sense of God saying, I put you there. And I, um, I was sort of uh, moved and struck. Um, and I suddenly realized that in all my restlessness, I was really listening to what other people were saying. And I wasn't really trusting uh, that God would know and be mindful of me in, in the moment and in the now. Um, and actually, in the process of letting go of all of that looking and searching, I began to find real deep joy in what I was doing and in what God was doing in and where I was. And I began to see his hand in what I was doing. But I had to stop looking out here. And I had to start being present and recognize God in the here and now. And I think that that is the encouragement and the inspiration of Mary here, is that she is asking those, well, she's not asking those questions, but I feel like we can ask those questions of ourselves when kind of off the back of, of seeing this joyful, triumphant. There's, a, there's an academic in Durham that describes it as a joyful, triumphant um, song of praise. A joyful, strident, triumphant song of praise. And that's the question that I'm left with and I'd love us to think about. Do you know that God is mindful of you now? That he sees you now? Do you know that God would use someone like you and me and all of us? And maybe other people that you know and that you long for them to also know that God would use them. And do you know that we're part of the fulfillment of this uh, amazing good news? God fulfills and keeps his promises. He is good and he is bringing about the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's not all easy. And think about the time between when he first spoke to Abraham and the coming of the Messiah. It's not a quick turnaround. And again, we are in this time horizon that's bigger than that that we can really comprehend. But God is good and he continues to be good and he does fulfill his promises and he does want to use us to bring about his purposes on earth. So just like Mary said yes to God 
and believed that even if she didn't really know where it would go, he could use her. We can also choose to say yes to being filled with the Holy Spirit and trusting that he will use us to bring about his purposes on earth. And it's from that place that our praise and worship um, can be birthed. Thank you.